Welcome. Hello. This is my inaugural podcast, and I'm excited to start, to dive in, and to leave perfection out of the situation. That's the only way my brain can wrap around actually doing a podcast. So thank you for joining. Bear with me. And here goes a really short first episode. This podcast is called We Are Not in the Classroom Anymore, and it's about conversations with adult educators on the future of learning in our workplaces. So my first episode is the result of a field project for my fall term class with Dr. Fuller. And I titled this Adult Educators and the Learning Organization. And I selected a few of my colleagues in my organization to test my favorite theories and ideas and get their viewpoints on what these couple of my favorite theories and ideas look like in our our organization from their experience and their perspective. And so I wanted to share the highlights of that with you with the goal of not only improving my workplace, hopefully by sharing knowledge with them or helping them listen to their own thoughts out loud, but also to support my own own transformative learning processes because I am learning while having conversations with them informally and through this course as well. The caveat for me was to ask more questions than share information just so that I can strengthen my active listening arm and gain more knowledge. The first thing I did was I shared information on what is a learning organization and what is a learning what is not a learning organization and i used uh dr marsick's um article called the learning organization and integrative vision for hrd that she published in human resource development quarterly i found a lot of good information there to share i talked about um, how organizations learn behaviorally over time and that some block learning i talked about how organizations have a collective memory and that it's becoming increasingly more important as we dive deeper and deeper into a knowledge-intensive era. And that with this changing times, there's a couple key points that we think about, including number one, people hold jobs for shorter periods of time, and they no longer work for the same organization for their entire career. Number two, employees are using communication and technology in very different ways at an increasing rate. So telecommuting, um, communicating regularly, virtually with those around the world. And third and finally, our knowledge bases are outgrowing themselves in extremely short timeframes. So people are finding their expertise rapidly challenged. And I think that's really interesting. So a learning organization has some key components and I shared the handful of those, including continuous learning happens at the systems level that knowledge is created and shared that thinking capacity is at the systemic level and employees are on that note, employees are asked to think systemically to see linkages and feedback loops across divisions or across silos. Uh, Fourth, that there's greater participation and accountability by a larger percentage of employees. And lastly, that the culture and structure is surrounded around rapid communication and learning and that learning is rewarded through various systems. So I shared all of that as a basis and then I asked for thoughts on whether ours is a learning organization. And the interesting information that I got was 
In a way, yes, but at the same time, it's really tough because we are in a hierarchical organization and sometimes a hierarchy in itself can impede learning. We also couple that with being in a highly technical field. Highly technical fields often have perfectionist tendencies and then there's every quote you can think of about perfection being the enemy of good or perfection being the enemy, enemy of progress. So this lends itself to a tendency for micromanagement, all of which dampens the spirit. And so it, I found that my interviewees found it hard to really say that we're a straight learning organization. I think we have impediments that need to be considered and um, potentially improved upon. So when asked if they believe that learning happens organically here, the resounding answer was yes, that it does. Um, and that, and yes, that organic informal learning is supported. We have a couple parameters in place, like no meeting zones, things like that, where it's pervasively known that during these times you can finish your own work products, you can work on your own professional development or learning and development, and um, it's pervasive. So in this environment, I think I say that because the information I gathered is that it's really helpful to have guardrails. So checkpoints, accountability, norms and behaviors so that no one is an outlier in spending this time away from their technical work products um, or in team meetings or gatherings and on learning and development. So another question on this subject was, how does formality, like how does formal learning play into the ability to gain momentum? And the answer that I saw was it doesn't really so much that people look at requirements in adult education a little bit with a negative lens. And so people don't necessarily want too much, entirely too much formality. A little bit is good as long as it's impactful. And by a little bit, I was, I was apprised that um, about 30% is good. Also that interestingly, it comes into play when you are at a higher level, more experienced, and you have to achieve that next level of knowledge, formal learning comes into play in those areas a lot. Um, and now into my favorite couple nuggets. So my favorite couple nuggets from my fall term with Dr. Fowler are the ideas of unlearning, the ideas of self-reflection, and the idea of mistakes and connected to mistakes, the idea of a permission slip. So when it comes to unlearning, I asked the question, um, do you think that our workplace supports it and does it have a place here? And the answer was resoundingly not so much in that capacity. And it's really interesting because it's hard when people are so valued and promoted based on their technical and hard skill knowledge, both professionally and educationally. So when they come into this organization because of their history and profession educationally, their technical expertise, we're asking them to unlearn it, to learn something new. It's really, it's really hard. Couple that with the idea that we're also in an organization that holds on really tight to what we've known and what we've always done. And it's really hard to let things go. As some of that might be generational, I think there's more to be done there to understand what's going on. But I think that the idea of unlearning is pretty tough. Um, we have some thoughts about that that I'll share at later on in this and in, in my takeaways. So in the next point on self-reflection, so I shared the quote that when people are successful, they seldom look further into the links between actions and outcomes. The feedback they receive suggests they acted appropriately. However, when results are not anticipated, then people are more likely to reflect on the causes of their errors. 
I also shared the Harvard Business Review four-part army example where in the army, no matter what experience has been, um, has occurred, they go through this four-part questioning series, um, including what was the objective, what actually happened, why was there a gap if there was, and then the fourth part, what should we sustain and what should we sunset of this gap? So I asked how we could use that. Um, and again, the answer that I got was that this, this is not necessarily a strong space for self-reflection. Um, there's other ways we can do it. We can talk about an after action review. We can do the three up, three down. So what are three things that went well? What are three things that didn't? But there's nothing that we critically and consistently use. I think that the, a great question was, um, you know, what we do need to do is find a common language. And so if we're able to do that, I think that we can move more in this direction. And I have some thoughts on that that I'll share in the takeaways. And then the third big nugget that I love is um, a permission slip. I'm sorry, the idea of mistakes and then also connected to that, the idea of a permission slip. So my question was, is this a safe place to ask um, to make mistakes? I shared the idea of a culture of mistakes referencing Harvard Business Review's study of Children's Hospital in Minnesota. Um, and just kind of creating that pervasive culture where you're not an outlier by making a stake, you're part of the norm. And again, that makes it a safe place. So the answer that I got was that it's not super tolerable in a federal context, in a very classical technical context. Um, and that's because it's, I guess there's a stigma, there's a perception that we can't really go kind of, you know, use a, bu a buzzword or have a brand that includes the word mistakes, whether even it be informal. It's just a little bit more unrealistic in our, in our workplace, according to my interviewees. Nonetheless, it's important that through mistakes, you get to see what works. You get to try things out. So again, I talked about this with Dr. Uh, Fowler and also um, uh, Wuhang. And, and the idea is that we have to just really change the, the term, the termination. Um, I'm sorry, the terminology, not the termination from mistakes to smart risks or incubated ideas. And then also this is where the permission slip comes in. So the idea of if you had a permission slip to do anything, what would it be? So that kind of gives us safe of safe space as well. So I think that it was a really great conversation. And from that, I have some super good takeaways. Um, it really stuck out to me that the biggest takeaway, the thing that stuck out the most is that I really sat and had to think about Perception is everything. I've learned this for the hundredth, millionth, thousandth time. That how you portray something is really how it's perceived by your audience and that's paramount. So we always have to think about the audience, the message, and the delivery. Those three aspects. And if one shifts, we have to shift the other two. And that's important in any communication, in any learning and development opportunity or event. And so my top three thoughts had to be a little bit softened. So the idea of unlearning has to be thought of more as like a blank slate um, or clearing your mind. The idea of like self-reflection or, I mean, Lord forbid I use the word meditation, has to be thought of as maybe taking a pause. And then a culture of mistakes. I've really thought of a lot of op options here, but um, I ended up with using the word test. I think test can be fun. It can be light. I think technical people tend to like that word a little bit better because it is a technical word. So what I really came back to was creating a very simple flow of the idea of pausing, clearing the slate, clearing the mind, 
and then testing things out. So pause, clear, test. That's what I came to. It may change, but for now, that's what I wanted to share. Um, this was a great first opportunity to set the stage, have an inaugural podcast, and I appreciate you learning. I'm really grateful. And uh, here's to more. Thanks.